You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Here's Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them, and there were many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophecy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. As I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel, they say. Our bones have dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely, therefore prophecy and say to them, Thus says Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from the grave, from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think Monday broke me. I was done. It took me a while to even want to preach today. I honestly wanted to just cancel. And I looked back on sermons that I've done this Sunday after Oxford and Parkland and Pulse Orlando and Newton, Newtown and Columbine and all in between 
all of these attempts to address what happened, to give hope, to remember that God is here, to dampen my anger and disbelief that this is our world today. The sermon today was originally going to be uh, about worry and uh, taken from the scripture in Matthew 6 on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And he says, and which of you will, by worrying can add a single hour to your span of life? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear, for it is the Gentiles who seek all these things, and indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. A sermon on that scripture today might seem like I had my head in the sand, for who of us is not worried? For our children, all of our children. Now, even though I know that the promise of that scripture is to trust in God and God will provide, and that is definitely a word that we need to hear today, we need to remind ourselves that God provides. But this week, I feel more like the lifeless bones in Ezekiel. Bleached dry and white from the sun, spiritless, defeated, Ezekiel's Valley of the Dry Bones is reminiscent of apocalyptic theology. Nadia Bowles-Weber explains that apocalyptic texts were often code for speaking about the world that the people lived in at the time they lived in. They were a way for people in politically dangerous situations to speak the truth about power. They were more commentary than prediction. And yes, Nadia writes, they are disturbing texts, but partly because they represent a genre we just aren't familiar with. At the time of the Valley of the Dry Bones, the Hebrews were in Babylonian exile. They were removed from their homeland and they had been exiled for 30 years. They were barred from their home country living under cruel and political rule. They were defeated and they were hopeless. And God sent Ezekiel to give them hope. Hope in this bizarre story of a pile of bones finding life again. Now, the songs that we've been singing that Sarah has chosen for us this morning, they're spirituals and they're um, often the Mardi Gras songs that we think of and they give hope and are in many ways our kind of modern time apocalyptic theology or music. They give hope for a better time when heaven will will be ours and what heaven will look like. The songs say it's bad now, but this isn't the end of the story. One day we will be free. Songs by slaves. One day there will be no more suffering, no more struggle, no more death, and they are meant to give hope to the current circumstances to inspire and remind everyone that God's plan is for life and for wholeness and that the concurrent situation is not God's plan. As I said, the Hebrews were in Babylonian exile. I feel like we are in exile. 
not trapped by a cruel political rule, but in exile where we've lost our sense of self, our love of neighbor, displaced from our homes and our sanctuaries to a place where we think more often of ourselves and our wants and our desires so much that the greater good of the community doesn't matter. And so in our world, we can say whatever we want without consequences. We can ignore common sense. We can bury our heads in the sand. Except really we can't because we've said that we follow Jesus and because enough is enough. When I looked back at those sermons, old sermons, there were two statements that popped out for me. The first one was in response to the shooting at Pulse nightclub in Orlando. I said, and it all makes me think, what can we do? How can we have integrity and courage to act for Jesus? Before Monday even happened, we learned about a special day that the United Methodist Church of Michigan had been planning, an advocacy day, a day of advocacy. It's on March 22nd at Central United Methodist Church in Lansing. This church is literally right next to the Capitol building. And it's a day to pray and a day to learn and a day to meet with legislators. That's why it's on a weekday. They have some trainings beforehand that people uh, need to, to do on, online, on Zoom, in order to be prepared. But it's an opportunity for us to actually put our prayers into action. And I want to encourage us all to find ways to put our faith in action and stand up to situations that place us in, in exile because, friends, something has to change. And the second statement I said to you last fall, after Oxford, our task is to remember that no matter how dark it may get, there is always hope. And that brings us back to the valley of the dry bones. Ezekiel could have looked at that valley and given up. He was clearly hopeless when God told him not to. He said, mortal, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel said, oh, Lord God, you know. It's a vague answer from one who felt defeated, like there was nothing left, like he was broken. But God knew better. God knew that this valley of bones wasn't the end of the story. God knew that God's people needed hope. And so Ezekiel began and he declared, God will infuse them with breath or spirit and the bones will live because of it. God's purposes will be accomplished. And God told him to prophesy, and the bones responded, and they were enlivened. Now, Nadia Bowles Weber is a pastor, and she every year holds the Easter vigil, which is the Saturday night before Easter, and she tells a story. She writes, on Sundays at House for All People, we chant a psalm and read from the gospel an epistle and a Hebrew Bible text. But at the great vigil of Easter, traditionally there are 12 readings. One night a year, we tell each other the great stories of our faith so that we can remember who we are. 
Once a year, we gather around the fire of a beautifully imperfect candle and we tell each other about God and God's people. Stephen, she says, our aging movie star-looking Fortune 500 company guy, wanted to do the Valley of the Dry Bones reading from the book of Ezekiel, and when he walked up with a single sheet of paper, the light bouncing off his perfect head of salt and pepper hair, he said to us, that he felt emotionally dead, and that for this condition, nothing makes a difference. No website, no relationship, no Mac computer or iPhone, no exercise, no diet, no supplement, no job offer or title on my business card, no amount of diet Coke or good scotch or bad beer, no self-help book, no therapist, no uh, self-improvement class, no car, house, or any other symbol I can think to buy, no movie or video game, and no matter how truly awesome Doctor Who is, They've all done nothing more than temporarily anesthetize the longing in my soul to be complete, to be whole, to be connected, to be okay, and be loved as I am now, with too much weight and too much debt and too much depression and too much grief and too much gray and too much geek and not enough of everything else. And I despair that my trip on this rock flying around the sun at 67 miles an hour is just some sort of sick cosmic joke. But then I remember, I remember the valley, the valley of the dry bones. God is talking to the prophet Ezekiel and, God, and guides him into something resembling a massive open grave. It's a valley covered from one end to the next with nothing but humanity at its core, dry bones. In this valley, there is absolutely no hope of life. God tells Ezekiel to cry out. Cry out to these dry bones. Cry out to God's children and tell them to rise. Tell them to rise. Tell them to listen to God and rise. And they listen. And God puts them back together and breathes into them. And they breathe anew. And God fills them with the Spirit. And when there was once death, hopelessness, and despair, there is new life. And hearing that, there is light, there is hope, and that is sufficient. Friends, God will put us back together too, because with God it's never done. We're never done. No matter how defeated we may feel, God is not done with us. God brings new life, offering hope to our fear and light to our darkness. That's the very essence of God's breath in us. The Spirit of God, the breath that enlivened those bones, ruach in Hebrew, is the same breath that was blown into the first human at creation and is blown into each one of us, the breath that is the Holy Spirit, that is God with us, the breath that won't let us give up hope because we can't. We are Christians, and we believe in a God of resurrection. We have put our faith in a God who says that suffering is not God's will, a God who says that earthquakes and floods and cancer and gunmen's and bullets and fear and pain do not have the last word. God has the last word, and that word is a word of hope that stems from great love for all people.
that says, I will not leave you orphaned, I am with you. I will hold you and cry with you and grieve with you and I will breathe my breath into you and you will rise from this pile, from this valley, from this pain. As we enter our Lenten journeys this Wednesday, we enter a time of wilderness, a time to walk with Jesus. Let us not forget the end of the story, a promise of love and resurrection, a triumph over evil. May we rise too, praying to the God who loves us and doing the work of resurrection so that no more children die as we walk in Christ's footsteps. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.